You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. Well, I wanna I wanna transition into uh the the behind the scenes research and the the awards uh for this movie because Django like we said Quentin Tarantino's financially most successful movie is mo- yes his most uh profitable film got that adjusted re- gross though I think so that is adjusted gross uh up yeah. to now I yeah I'm looking at the same thing but yeah let me bring up the IMDB just to kind of check out the rating for this movie because it's 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 got people love it it's got 8.4 it's on know? the hot it's on the imdb highest rated list it's 58 yeah. out of 100 yeah critics generally really enjoyed the movie like there's reviews that are like oh yeah this is this is exploitation maybe a step too far and we'll get into partially why that was because there's a very specific word that gets repeated a lot that people did not like <laughs> because of Quentin Tarantino doing it right and so generally this is one of his most well-received films right and so yeah. Quentin Tarantino just we're gonna get into a little bit of what he had to say about it and then I do I do want to have Feek recount one of the behind the scenes stories of the movie involving Leonardo DiCaprio and, and Samuel Jackson because I think it's a very interesting insight into what making this movie was like. So listen to Quentin Tarantino talk about Django Unchained. This is from an NPR interview he did with Terry Gross. One of the things he says is, now I wasn't trying to do a Schindler's List. You are there under the barbed wire of Auschwitz kind of film. I wanted the film to be more entertaining than that, but there's two types of violence in this film. There's the the brutal reality that slaves lived under for 245 years. Mm -hmm. And then there's the violence of Django's retribution. And that's movie violence. And that's fun and that's cool. And that's really enjoyable and kind of what you're waiting for, right? So in that you're getting like, yeah, you know, like I, I, I came to do a thing and I did it right. Like I came to make an exploitation movie and I did that, but he talks about a little bit of the trepidation that he felt, you know, he says he had real anxiety about directing the slavery scenes. And so who did he talk to besides Sidney Poitier, right? He says, I actually went out after I finished the script with Sidney Poitier for dinner and I was telling him about my story and then telling him about my trepidation and my little plan of how it's going to get past it, which was he was going to go shoot it in, in, in Europe. He was going to shoot it abroad. And he says, Sidney Poitier said, Quentin, I don't think you should do that. What you're just telling me is that you're a little afraid of your own movie and you just need to get over that. If you're going to tell the story, you need to not be afraid of it. You need to do it. Everyone gets it. Everyone knows what's going on. We're making a movie. They get it. Right. So that's kind of his... <laughs> His, his conversation with Sydney about making this. Yeah, um, Sydney Poitier, famed director of Ghost Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no shade um, against Sydney, honestly. Because uh, at the end of the day, I mean, figures like Sydney Poitier and podcast favorite Harry Belafonte yep. make movies. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's yeah. the business of making movies. Like if Django Unchained, the script came across my desk and I'm a Will Smith or Jamie Foxx level actor, black male actor. I want to look at that seriously as like a, as a concept, as like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hear my ancestors in my ear and be like, Hey man, <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, you see that meme of like the ancestors looking down, like all oh, crossed armed and like, oh. I, I'm, I'm not going to think about that. Cause I'm making a movie. I'm making an entertainment. And yeah. yes, it's it's steeped in slavery. And yes, it's written by a white man. But like, I know what this white man is capable of. I know what he his work entails. Right. What's the line in Reservoir Dogs? Y'all seem in favorite movie, by the way. That What's the uh, we're dealing with this like a bunch of niggers. Right. <laughs> stop dealing with uh, get up, get up off the floor and stop playing like a bunch of niggers. Like that's literally in that movie. And then Quentin Tarantino himself in Pulp Fiction horrible line yeah for no purpose he's the one he's literally the one who gives himself the line the whole time what what, what do i look like does this look like a dead dead nigger swords to you yeah he's the one and he repeats it over and over again in that scene too yeah well you already know who this guy is 
for sure. Well, we're going to get into to that specifically, but I just want to read a few more things that he said, specifically on conventional slave narratives on screen. And this is where it gets a little messy. There haven't been that many slave narratives in the last 40 years of cinema. And True. usually when there are, they're usually done on television. For the most part, they're historical movies like History with a capital H. Basically, this happened and this happened and that happened and this happened. And that can be fine well enough. But for the most part, they keep you at arms like dramatically. But because also there is this kind of level of good taste that they're trying to deal with. And frankly, oftentimes they just feel like dusty textbooks that are barely dramatized. Right. So he goes on in another interview to basically say that he made the best slavery movie <laughs> right so this is this is um let me find this quote verbatim let me look up slave movies because i gotta because yeah don't let's like do let's movies. do that actually because because like this is the argument we were having before we got on the air yeah because i honestly like, like i don't know if this is gonna get me canceled off the top of my head i don't know if he's wrong that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying earlier. But that's Ooh, not wow. else. much, but I don't know if he's factually wrong. Well, let me or read you. Let me story. read you. This was a leading question, and I don't really know why this was asked, but he was asked in the separate interview. Why do you think you're the first director to confront slavery in such a frank fashion? And his answer is, I hate to sound full of myself, but maybe I just have the shoulders. So. No, they just gave him that. They gave him the, but the, that's that's fucked. It. You're right. You're right. It's a leading question. They gave him the lob, yo. They gave him the alley oop, and and, he, and, and, and he like, literally like Schultz, he could not help himself. He had to. He had to finish that. Hundred percent right. He could not. I mean, if you pose that question to him, what do you think he's going to do? So it's Quentin Tarantino. He's a man who really loves stroking his own ego, bro. Like, right. So the, I the guess la- I like Amistad better than this. <laughs> <laughs> well, gives us free scene that gets me every time. I'll be using it when he be in the staff meetings, and I just stand in my head to get through that shit. Well, two two last things I want to read quickly from from Quentin um, is this is him on giving enslaved characters a heroic journey. I like the idea of telling these stories and taking stories that oftentimes have played out in the way that they're normally played out, just end up becoming soul deadening because you're just watching victimization all the time. And now you get a chance to put a spin on it and actually take a slave character and give him a heroic journey, make him heroic, make him give his payback and actually show this epic journey and give it the kind of folkloric tale that it deserves, the kind of grand opera stage it deserves, right? So that was his intention with Django. And then this is this is the other part. We haven't talked about the Harvey Weinstein of it all, but he was a producer oh, on this movie and very tightly intertwined with current Tintino's entire career. But uh, so he was asked in the interview, uh, have you seen this film with a black audience? And he says, yes, I have. And they follow up with, and what was their reaction? I know an all black audience feels comfortable enough to talk back to the screen and let you know exactly how they feel about what's happening, which, you know. Uh, okay. uh, but Quentin Tarantino's response was, let's put it like this. We screened it for a heavily black audience quite a few times when the audience was between 40 and 60% black. That's pretty black. We also screened it for a 100% black audience and you would have thought it was 1973 and they were watching the end of Coffee. It's funny because I was sitting next to Harvey Weinstein and he turns to me and says, I guess we know who we made this movie for, but the film really has a lot of ups and downs and taps into a lot of different emotions. To me, the trick was balancing all those emotions so that I could get you where I wanted you to be by the very end. I wanted Leonard's cheering and triumph at the end. So as rough as some of the things I show in the movie are, they couldn't be so rough that you're too traumatized to enjoy the movie anymore. And so that just that aside of like, I guess we know who we made this movie for. And Quentin Tarantino high-fiving himself in his mind. Like, they love it. They love it. <laughs> yes, I got it. You know, and just the, again, the idea of like, who did you really make Django for? Because while you might believe you made it for Black people, white people, it's not, white people love Django but it's like as a you you don't know how even if people are cheering right and like enjoying the movie yeah for me right kind of giving away how I feel about the movie Django's not a bad movie Django is not like the most awful we again we we watch Green Book like there's terrible movies out there that are doing a lot of harm and a lot of damage and winning a lot of awards and doing all this other shit but the thing about Django is, and the thing about a lot of slave movies is, I don't think they're made 
for us because we understand slavery. Like to us, seeing the shock and the trauma and the violence of slavery isn't making us go, unless you're Kanye, making us go, oh, slavery, man, that was like, that was wild. Bad times. Ooh, man, I'm glad I'm not a slave, I guess. That can't be that happened. (laughs) You know, but that's that's how white people look at it. They're like, whoa, slavery. Like, you know, everyone's got to remind me that that was a thing that happened and, you know, whether or not I believe as a white person, I was complicit in that. Like I still view it as a bad thing, but returning conversation all the time, not, you can't be Schultz, right? Not every white person is Schultz. Not every white person was a good white person. Some of y'all are Calvin Candy, but you don't see yourself as Calvin Candy because you want to be Schultz because you want to believe that you're going to do the the good thing and the right thing and, and help Django and all that stuff. But these movies do kind of lead into this fantasy of if I was a white person back in the 1800s, you know, I mean, I probably would have done. And you never really see the full spectrum of, again, Schultz as white savior, but also Schultz is kind of like, I could take it or leave it, you know, like what, what, not necessarily what's in it for me, like saving Django, there is actually literal monetary reward in it for him. Right. <laughs> have Django point out, you know, the people he needs to find, but like, you know are you going to go out of your white life to do something that is not going to have any actual reciprocal reward to you probably not right so like when you when you think about tarantino thinking about this movie as a movie that black people love and he made it for black people and like this was our movie Mm -hmm. and clear blind spots and one of them let's just jump into it real quick is the fact that i think there's somebody took a number down they say nigger in this movie like 114 times right which i think is the most that has ever been said <laughs> that's possible and that's and, true. and <clears throat> he justifies it by saying well that's how they talked like that's what people were saying like that i'm talking about slave traders i'm talking about horrible despicable people they said nigger all the time like you need to hear this this is part of the history and the factual thing right when you look Mm -hmm. at inglorious bastards though not a lot of slurs in that movie not really slurring it up oh not (laughs) like saying wild stuff about jews not saying wild stuff about Jews, but not actually saying the specific words that they would say. Nazis, why would they guard Didn't their language? Nazis have a, wasn't Jew the slur? Jew was the slur, but like there was, uh, I mean, there's, 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 there's like, other ones that are worse that we don't have to say on this show. Right. That are worse, but, but also. I'm saying that to, to think about, it's, yeah. the comparison I think almost kind of doesn't work because I think the word we're both we're all thinking about. I don't think that's German. I don't think that's German, but I don't think that they they had other work like that's that's how slurs work, right? Like there's a multitude. You've got a whole like whenever you need to throw out a new one, they're always inventing new ones. Uh, there can never be enough. Um, so I, I think more so what it is, is that, yes, they were talking about Jewish people in a derogatory manner, right? Like they were not for sure. Nazis were not like, oh, maybe there's some good ones. Like they were very much so like we are cartoonishly enjoying killing Jewish people and like, you know, we're, we're going hard on this. But I think the difference is that like, one, when you, <laughs> the amount of times that you said in the movie, and I'm not even getting on like the Spike Lee tip of like, you know, my, my ancestors, but like. But the, my ancestors though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a point in which it becomes like. Gratuitous. Yeah, this, this isn't, you're doing this on purpose for a reason. And again, I don't know, is it because that you just, love the word and you just want to because it always comes back to like why do white people want to say nigger like what is it about it that if you got to say it what do you think would be different in your life that you would (laughs) (laughs) what is this unlocking for you like i don't you know so it's like there's there's something about the amount of times that it's said in the film and in the in the way that it's like it almost loses meaning because it's just like another it's another word that they just keep repeating over and over again, where uh-huh. I think part of what you're trying to go for with that, maybe that's the intention is that you just become numb to it by the end of the film. I, I could I give Quintino that much, right? Like I could say that that might've been an intentional choice, but also I feel like because this movie is not made for me, if you're trying to shock white people, 
you know, into like, wow, like, look how right, like, they're really racist and they're really doing racist that's things. That's the only way can, can see, like, where racism only becomes completely visible if that word is involved. Everything right. else, it gets real blurry for them. Yeah. Uh, they could be whipping a Black person, but if they call him, you know, African-American, it's like, well, was it because he was Black? Like, so, so, but it was funny, though, is I didn't recognize that while I was watching Mm-hmm. Um, of all the critiques of Tarantino in this movie in particular. So Tarantino's love affair with that word is a problem. Throughout, you, uh, Cameron, you brought up the uh, more really in the Pulp Fiction. The rest of our dogs, one I don't remember, but that at least sounds natural. Oh, right. I can't forget that Pulp one. Fiction was like, our, and our, you know, that was like 97. So I'm probably like 16, 17, but I'm still woke enough to be like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. in this one, it felt, it didn't feel natural, right? But it felt like a reasonable outcome of the movie I was watching. Right. I'm watching the slavery revenge action movie where, as Cameron pointed out, the woman gets shot and it's like something with Wiley Coyote. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, right, right. it is. It, it, <laughs> and it's done to be like that. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's it, making it, a choice by doing that. Yeah. yeah. So th- of all the critiques, this one has always, to me, had the least teeth for mm-hmm. this movie. Okay, I think right. he caught black on this movie for the fact that we didn't get him earlier in the game. Is yeah, that, okay. that makes sense? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, we 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 gave you all these passes. We really didn't want to because we didn't know. Now that we're here, let's yeah. talk about your love affair with this word, Quentin. Right, young QT. Young well, QT. <laughs> I, I think I think that leads into something that I, you know, Feig, if you can recount for us, there's there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff about this movie to talk about. But one thing that I found well, very intriguing this movie from the black people is so weird to me. Yeah, unnatural even. And I, I know like there's a lot that goes into promoting and that's like contractual and it's part of like just being a good person at your job, whatever. Um, so the story, so the story that you're alluding to is uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio uh, is on set. And Leonardo DiCaprio is like the ultimate white liberal. He's just, <laughs> he is saving trees and seals and at the same time black babies all in one hand right and so the story goes that it was like the first day of shooting and he had to use the n-word and he was struggling with doing this and uh jamie fox tried to like be real cool with him like look man you can do it it's okay you know what i'm saying whatever and sam jack uh basically cursed him out <laughs> And said, motherfucker, it's Tuesday to us. Just say the line <laughs> to work. Um, and then we have a job to do. Right? We have a job to do. You were hired, whatever. And I pointed out in my video that DiCaprio has like eaten raw fish. And uh, there's the really uncomfortable scene where, for the sake of drugs, he participates in um, a gay sex act. Where he's exploited, I think he's actually a, supposed to be a child at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's this, this, he's done so many really raw, edgy, problematic things on camera. But this N word was just a bridge too far. And maybe I mean, he, he does some raw, like edgy, problematic things in this movie. I mean, there's also the behind the sto- scenes story with the blood. In, with the blood. I don't know if any of our listeners are aware of this, but the scene where he is speaking about the phrenology of the black man's brain versus the white man's brain. And he cracks open the little piece of skull and shows everybody that while he's getting up in a fit and he smacks down on the, on the table, he smashes a glass and like cuts open a huge artery in his hand. And they still, he still keeps going in the scene and he's profusely bleeding on camera. And, as part of the scene, he says that, what, this is my property. Broomhilda is my property, yeah. and I could do what I will with my property. And proceeds to smear his actual blood yeah, on yeah. Carrie Washington's face. Right. Mm-hmm. Which also, like, frightened the shit out of her. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. But, it- but it's an incredible performance, and it's an incredible moment in the movie. It really is, honestly, sadly, 
now, happened the way it happened. So he's not afraid to swipe his own blood <laughs> on a woman's face. But to say the word nigga like twice in an afternoon, he was like, I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know if that's something I can do. Now, now suppose even as an actor, after, um, Sam Jack's pep talk, he changed. Uh, Jamie yes. Foxx says that after Sam Jack's pep talk, Leonardo hardly talked to any black people for the rest of the shooting. Mm-hmm. So he may have just just fully been in his candy mold. Yeah, it's kind of rough blow sure, sure. back in his face, which is still <laughs> fucked up because he's not John. He's not Calvin. <laughs> nope, nope. Right, right, right. But yeah, and then. But just overall, and then like the story Carrie Washington had where they were like, it was a scene where she had to get whipped and they're playing like soul music in the background or something, or like humming, humming hymnals. Mm-hmm. A lot of weird stories that sound like the types of things that a white person would say should happen. And, and like, I feel like black people making this movie are just making the movie. Yeah. And I feel like for white people, it's not a spiritual experience. Yeah. You know, I don't know, because I'm listening to Barry Jenkins talk about the Underground Railroad right now, post that show coming out on Amazon. And also, this is Barry Jenkins, you know, but he's speaking about it, like making that movie was an incredibly spiritual experience for him. But I think that's because Barry Jenkins understands, like he knows what's going on. Like he's sure in making that he's making something different than what Quentin Tarantino is making in this movie. Like these are not the same kind of things. Quentin Tarantino is expressly saying in those quotes you heard, he's making a fun movie, an exploitation movie. He's doing this for entertainment. This is supposed to be, I don't know how his like sets usually are, but like he's not this is film this is cinema for him and this is mm-hmm. the other thing about Quentin Tarantino is like everything is story for him right like i think mm-hmm. he probably conceived of django blowing up the house and was like i'm going to make a movie around that right like i mean he says like i came up with the idea like i wanted to do a spaghetti western and then i was like what would be a good revenge story oh like what if it was a ex-slave getting revenge on like you know the the people who enslaved him right and so i can see him taking this to the extent of like yeah i'm making i'm making them he is making a movie like like you were just Mm -hmm, saying mm -hmm. like in his mind this is just it's just a movie it's just just another it's just another movie we'll make one after this baby we 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 on a train you know so it's it's not even it's not to say that he isn't thinking about things in a critical sense or that you know he didn't intend for there to be any depth or like message to the movie but i think at the end of the day like you hear him say there's capital h history which you can watch on the history channel and then you can watch my movie where you know like he whips a slave master and like he does all this i'm doing this because i'm trying to do entertainment the violence in my movie isn't visceral violence that should you know, portraying the slavery straight up as much as like it's supposed to be the blood in this movie. Any Quentin Tarantino movie, when anybody gets shot, yeah. it's an explosion of blood. You know what I mean? There's yeah. all kinds. It's, it's over the top on purpose, and so it's very interesting to to listen to that story from <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio because like that. I think is another that's thing. That's, another movie. That's for yeah. yeah, and yeah, and that's emblematic of. I, I feel like probably a lot of white people when they come into making these slavery movies of like they're oh. grappling with the situation. They're grappling with the the content. I think I, that's why I think it's actually very. I, so I, I don't know much about underground. I, I just completely avoid slave anything movies since I was a, like a preteen. Well, it's so, based on a very excellent book. Yeah. So and I was the, I make it around the, to it just because that was partly my job. The TV show mm-hmm. is quite wonderful, honestly. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Even if you avoid slave narratives, like this is a different type of story. But that said, though, understanding that a lot of this media is made for white people. Yes. White people will gauge the authenticity and value of Black media of mm-hmm. this ilk based on how we respond to it. So you got to yes. be in there saying this is soulful. This is deep da 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 so that white people can feel like they're getting something tangible and valuable from it something valuable yeah yeah like they don't want to go see a movie that black people don't think is like a slave narrative that black people think is bogus yeah i think like red tails like red tails had all that shit coming out beforehand they really gassed us they really gaslit us 
mm-hmm. about Red Tails being this important, deep movie about the experiences of the Tuskegee Airmen. And it's really rough. just kind of a shitty CGI yeah. fest. It's, like, stupid it's bad. It's, it's bad. It's bad. You know, and and like, but that narrative was to drive the value of the movie to black and white audiences as this artifact of blackness that's gonna, mm-hmm. you know, be emblematic to you as a white person to, to for you to get a, a you know your uh you know gym badge on racism yeah. racism Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I think that was a direct Pokemon reference. <laughs> yeah. Like wasn't even trying to hide it. Yeah. I, that's why I'm drinking this coffee. I'm like, I gotta stay up. Gotta stay up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yeah. let's 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 transition out. I mean, last few things to say about just the behind the scenes of this movie and the reception of the movie is that you know, like it it won a decent amount of awards. It was nominated for a lot of stuff. If you look at the top ten list, it was on many, many, many top tens of 2012. Total nominations just across all the award shows, 111 nominations. It won 29 of those nominations. So, I mean, ratio, if you want to get into that. But Best Supporting Actor, Christoph Waltz won that. Best Original Screenplay, Quentin Tarantino won that. But also nominated for Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Editing. It was part of the top 10 movies of the year for the AFI. Black Film Critics Circle, Best Original Screenplay, Tarantino. Best Supporting Actor, Christoph Waltz. When you look at the BAFTAs, he won He won a lot of Best Original Screenplay awards. Interestingly enough, when you look at a lot of these, um, not a lot of Jamie Foxx <laughs> on these lists. Right? Not a lot, not not a lot of Jamie Foxx. And I don't think it's a great performance. I just think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. I just don't think it's great. We, yes. we, if, if I wasn't tired, we'd have a whole extra half hour of us debating this. I, as I think about this more, I'm less and less happy. Like, you know how I wanted this 50 Cent just really popped in my head? 50 mm-hmm. Cent? You want 50 Cent and Django because Unchained I, over cause, Jamie? Because here's what I here's what I need from Django. And Django Unchained by Quentin Tarantino. I, I need him you. to commit to the farce. And by putting in this Academy Award winning actor with range and telling him to brood and mumble for an hour and 45 minutes he wasted the he wasted that he wasted jamie and really failed to like fully put a pin in what the movie is because as we're watching christoph waltz freaking you know dance around the screen like uh uh you know just as this as this really bright character this this whimsical character he's willy wonka for half this fucking movie. <laughs> um, and then you turn to Jamie and Jamie is playing it straight as an ex-slave, which I get, right? It, it, it's two different movies they mash together. You put in somebody like 50 Cent, a non-actor who's basically just a character, or even I get now Will Smith to an extent, where you say, okay, now Django is also a character, also whimsical, also has this this cartoonish element to him, it you then get a different movie almost and mm-hmm. i think maybe it's the paradox it's the cognitive dissonance of jamie playing it straight and brooding and christoph waltz smiling and doing everything but like i think he does tip his cat a couple half a couple yeah he does oh, the mustache sure. uh the mustache twirl and kind of yeah, yeah all, he does all those things it really you know he probably owes this oscar to Jamie being such a foil. And I get I get all the reasons why. Yeah. I'm just saying for me, as I'm listening, as I as we go through our conversation, I'm realizing that Jamie is my biggest problem with this movie, movie-wise. If that sure. Means. Right, right, right. Well, before we move into remaking this movie, just a few notes on Django, the character themselves. We've talked about Will Smith being uh part of this movie and Will Smith himself is on record saying he did not think Django was the star of the movie. And so he turned it down. There is also (laughs) other people rumored to play Django. They wanted Michael K. Williams at one point to play, uh, to play Django. They also Uh, wanted Idris Elba to play Django. Um, That would have been interesting. And another fun wrinkle to this my man, you it, say what you want about him, but he just he he shoots his shot every time. Tyrese Gibson <laughs> sent in an audition tape. It wasn't even asked to audition, but sent in a tape to be Jacob. 
and uh, you see how that turned out but like yeah. credit to the man because he's you know he's never met Shoot a role that, that he doesn't want he's like let me be green lantern let me be Django. let me be whatever you got i'll be whatever Shoot that um, shot, man yeah i just want my baby you know uh, so. <laughs> and go to sleep jody <laughs> <laughs> let's get into feek how would you remake Django if this was put across your desk all right, so what are the rules to this thought experiment? Do we still have to have a white? Do we still have to have shows or my? So we've done everything from like yeah. remake it just strictly without the white savior. I've refused to remake movies and just said I just would not make this movie. I yeah, there's sometimes where it's different. just garbage. <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 up to you to wherever you want to take it. So I, I'm of two minds. You recast Jamie with 50 cent give me another um maybe a, oh black dynamo what's brother's name uh, michael jai white michael jai white you recast django to to play into the action buddy comedy element and you go harder there you stop trying to please two audience at, audiences at once you stop trying to be serious like just show your cards all the way qt and make the slavery buddy action comedy that you had in your head. Because I think Django is a show that has a white character, actually. Isn't that true? It, yeah, it was It was a movie. It was, it was a an movie. original Western that, yeah, yeah, Django was a white character. Actually, who, the original person who played that Django shows up in Django Unchained. Yeah. See, QT is good for that. So yeah, you do man. that, and you have the same exact movie, except now, Jamie Foxx, well, and then maybe you tweak some things at the end with Schultz's character just because that shit still bothers me. But instead of having Jamie Foxx brood, which that's just not, he, he has a range of talents. Brooding, I don't, I don't, I've never seen brooding work well for him. I think about him in this, in uh, uh, Seattle, uh, what was that? Sleepless. Oh, yeah. Uh, a while ago. That's just not in his range to me. So you either do that, you go full camp comedy farce exploitation. Or you bring in an Idris album, you severely tone down Shoals. Maybe Shoals is now, I don't know, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you make it a gritty thriller. Because Tarantino can do that. The, the intensity of that last scene with Candy is what shows us how much um, uh, anxiety can be brought out of the, this, this story. Yeah. in those moments and then now you you tone down a lot of the other you take out the slapstick with the kkk and you make kkk the real threat that they were maybe there are some some heist movie elements you know that we that okay. and, and now he gets to make a fun slave movie <laughs> but instead of being this farce it's a heist movie where there's all these moving pieces that have to happen Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't have a I'm not as good at this game yet, but that's a fun yeah. idea. Yeah. To, to remake it where it's different. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's all I got. I would say for me, like I you could remove Schultz entirely. You could kind of keep him around a little bit. But what I, what I think is a more interesting movie is either a if we're going to go all the way into this idea, like give me the Haiti story, like give me black people like rising up and revolting and like completely claiming a land for themselves. Right. Like, cause that's kind of mm. how mm. you do it where like Cameron was saying at the end of the movie, nothing is really solved. Like they are ostensibly free, but as we've seen, like that didn't really mean anything. You could have the papers and that didn't really guarantee anything. Right. So like if we're going full exploitation, like I don't think the people of Haiti would want, Quentin Tarantino to make a movie about their revolution but uh <laughs> like if but but there is ground for that in terms of like if you want to go full we're we're killing white people and we're like doing it to the nth degree like they liberated themselves like that was a full-on revolution and they they did that so if that's what you're going for do you it. could get into that I also wonder, I mean, this is where I'm kind of like wonky on the like, how far do I feel comfortable pushing slavery as like fun times, and like right. good, good action times, because there is another possibility of 
this is then a time travel movie where like somebody has resolved themselves to like, I'm going to go back and free my ancestors. Right. So like, I've got time travel technology. We've got time travel technology and everybody's always like, we're going to go kill Hitler or we're going to go do, but what would black people do? Cause we wouldn't go back to slavery for fun. Well, you know what <laughs> I mean? We wouldn't go back past 1980 something really, if right. we had a choice. So like, if we if we made the intention to go back in time, like this could be a reason, a catalyst for that. It's like I'm gonna go set my ancestors free. Like I intentionally, I have, I did my ancestry.com. I know who they are. I know where they were. I've got all that information. I'm going back in time. I'm gonna free them. You know, and like that's that's I'm 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 doing that. And that's a movie, right? I don't know if that's a good movie. I don't know if Quentin Tarantino makes that movie. I don't know how all that works, but. If we're taking Django as a as a concrete concept, one of my biggest gripes about this movie, from a from a movie standpoint, like you were talking about, Feek, is like we're talking about uh, Jamie Foxx being criminally underused. Carrie Washington, I don't know why she's in this movie because she's an incredible yeah, actress. She ain't the one, and I don't know she got to be whipped and. Uh, so, so I remember some of the media, and maybe this is just the narrative she was given as promotion because I don't remember this being echoed in the culture, so to speak, was that to just be a damsel in distress is something you don't see black women get to do. So there, there was that narrative that they were trying to put out there. I don't speak for black women. I don't remember hearing that be echoed, if that makes sense. I remember a handful of like hot takes and like, you know, thought pieces about it, but I don't remember that getting to black Twitter and being like, yeah, so at least I, that's your excuse. For, yeah, uh, well, that's a shit excuse. I don't know. <laughs> that's something to aspire to. But anyways, I would do Django. I would do Django and Heldy as like almost a Bonnie and Clyde. Like they're like they're like yeah. a free they're like two free or even like they escaped right escaped. and like yeah. we're go we're going back like this is our mission now like we're gonna go around and free other slaves or like be a conduit to like you know we're gonna as as an answer to kind of the highwaymen roaming the roads mm -hmm. capturing slaves we we are the answer to that we are like helping slaves escape if we see anybody being you know transported somewhere we're setting them free. I'd watch that movie, you know what I mean? And that completely removes Schultz and you still get to do a lot of the things that you did in this movie. Um, Cameron, what about you? I agree with you. I, I honestly would want to watch the movie you just described. <laughs> uh, but I would even, you could keep King Schultz, but have him be, you know, an actual lesser character. Not lesser yeah. in importance, but lesser like screen time. Like that's all, honestly. Good. He could even be a for real dentist who just like he's like yeah. or has like a he has a secret agenda like or a secret like that's his thing on the side like come in the back room of the yeah, dentist's he's, office yeah he's like the cover for office. them right yeah, so maybe, yeah maybe you give him a real what I would love is a subversion of the white slave savior movie still made for white people by white people. So maybe you give shows the but art. they've proven sadly uh, this <laughs> podcast has proven that they have they do not know what the fuck to do with that. But maybe like, the next one they've will. Given, no, that no man. Given time, <laughs> chance, and chance again, fam, we've watched them fail miserably. Even at like the the most altruistic of like we just watched Dances with Wolves. That movie is near four hours long, yeah. and this guy thinks he's doing the work, bro. Yeah. No, man. No, uh, and that was the most egregious offender. It, so so it's maybe like, the, the director that's gonna make the movie I'm dreaming about <laughs> is gonna hear not a white man. <laughs> he's 17 years old, he's getting ready to go to film school. And he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it for all the white saviors out there that have been just trying. Because the point I'm trying to get to was that if shows had an arc that spoke to all the problems we're sure your podcast gets at, where he starts out as a dentist. And says, I'm gonna do something. I'm tired of the slavery. Yeah. And he gets to unlearn why he gets to learn through experience why that mindset is not all that useful to the actual people in peril. We have a whole mm -hmm. different movie, but we can still have that character in most of those character beats. Right, okay. right. Okay, right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I hear that. I, it won't happen. I completely agree with you as yeah. well. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's, that, it's hard for me to see it happen, yeah. man. 
but well, I mean, not for lack of trying and not for like lack of creativity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I just want to see this movie. I want to see that movie start. I want I mean, fuck. I just don't want to see, I don't want to see it from Schultz's point of view, even though like Django is the first person we meet in the movie. Like, I just don't. Schultz has all the driving action. Like Schultz has the driving he, action. The I want to see this. I want to see Django have the the chutzpah. Yeah, <laughs> the, that's the bothersome part of the movie is that it doesn't have to be like that. It yeah. didn't have There's to be like no this. Real and it's also a fictional narrative. This man yeah. made this up. Like it didn't have to be like this yeah. at all. Give Django a rock. He hits the guy. Yeah. Give yeah. Django like I mean, Amazon starts Schultz, with. Oh, I was the, just looking for you. Boom. Or even I'm, even have it where like yeah, Schultz frees him and then it's like bye but fam, I, that's, I, the I, 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 that's the white oh, saver movie that's the white saver movie schultz frees him like but i mean even even in the sense of like if it's like yeah i did what i did for my own means right and now i'm done with you and i don't want a slave and like oh you've got a problem good luck with that i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing and so the rest of the movie is jamie fox on his own trying to figure out this problem so it starts as a white savior movie but i of feel like he could free himself it's a fictional movie man like oh he could well, no, I'm not, I'm not, that dude freed himself from chains with bloody yeah, fingers fam i'm like, not disagreeing not with you i'm not disagreeing with you that that's not a, a a better solution but i'm just saying if if quentin tarantino feels like he needs christoph waltz in this movie because you know he loves working he with christoph have waltz him. And i just feel like whatever. Django should have the agency you know yeah well, you know, talk talk to your boy QT. Well, let's let's get to the Caucasity meter and and see where Django falls. These are our rankings in our Caucasity meter. There's three different levels. So the first level is shorts in the winter, which is like, all right, you're making a choice. This choice isn't hurting me. It's not affecting me in any way. But I do have to question why you're doing this. Like something is happening here, and it's an interesting decision. Like you know, we'll see how that plays out for you in the long run. But like I would not make that choice right second level is this movie is touching my hair which now you are in my space you are affecting me like it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me but it's definitely i wish you would stop doing it and harm has been done you right? are harming me at this point yeah the ultimate level as we've been going with it take your pick it's either taylor swift's cover of september or chris martin's cover of pony with no shoes or socks on and an acoustic uh, guitar pony yes Chris martin covered live. pony live with acoustic guitar no oh. shoes or socks on and upright bass so <laughs> it's gross it's gross and he was singing it he, and he was, was feeling with his it. chest he was uh, feeling it <laughs> so something for you to just enjoy later i guess <laughs> but, <laughs> i'm doing that right now um of those three, where do you think Django falls? So I think Django's between Shorts in the Winter and Touching My Hair. Hmm. Um, so that would be. So let's gonna let's go let's call that. Uh, over, the, the overly friendly smile. Mm -hmm. in a public, oh uh, yeah. You know, in a public place. <laughs> yeah. you know, black spotting me. You, you know, yeah. I think yeah. Like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're minding your business, but they want you to know that they're minding their business. They're friendly. Right. So they just kind of interrupt your bubble to be like, hey, white person here. Yeah. Hey, white person there. And that's yeah. okay. I, I see <laughs> you. I see you, fam. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Black scent. Unwanted black scent. Let's call uh, it. Unwanted. Because that yeah. is real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, dude. Black hey, bro. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bro. I'm going to say that this is unnecessary black scent. Uh, so I'm putting that between level one and level three. This is level two point five. I like. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cameron, what about you? Uh, I'm gonna have to say this movie is shorts in the winter, honestly, because Tarantino been doing this for a minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> he came it's, out the gate yeah. at, talking about we're handling things like a couple of so and sos. You know, yeah, he came yeah, out yeah. the gate himself talking about. What am I? But so, such as yeah, right? Come on. <laughs> so this is nothing new, right? This is not new no. territory. And this is the territory that I fell in love with. I mean, when I, I remember being 14 and watching Pulp Fiction for the first time, not even 14, I was probably 12. 
Yeah. He's very young. And I'd seen this movie and I was like, this is crazy. But this is so cool. I remember <laughs> the first time I saw it, actually, I was 12 and I was like, or maybe even younger. I was watching it on HBO and I was like, it was late. You know, back back then they actually cared mm-hmm. about when they aired yep. movies. And it would be like post 10 o'clock, you get yep. like the racier stuff. It's and they would only yeah, and they would only air real sense, whatever number they were on. Right? Yeah. right. You know, you know about that. We all know about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so they would air these movies post like 11 o'clock and I'd stay up. And I remember the first time I saw it, I saw it out of order. So I saw it, I think, in the movie. I saw it where it picks up with them getting to the apartment. Okay. I didn't see like the diner. I didn't see anything before that. And so I already was, I already was thrown. And then I was like, Oh, we're going back to that later. Cause I watched the whole movie and I was like, Oh, Oh. And then I went back and watched it and I was like, Oh, he's fucking with narrative. Oh, this is, Oh, that's dope. On top of it, all this stuff is like fucking weird. What? There was a guy in a box earlier. (laughs) <laughs> like, what's what's that about? And now we're fighting like weird He's queer Nazis. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Some some lady got stabbed in the heart with a needle, and she woke up off of that. Like, and drugs are crazy. Like all that stuff. Yeah, like twelve yeah, year old yeah, brain yeah. was just like expanding like crazy. So, uh, like I had co- I had come to know him to be a wild boy anyway. Right. So by the time I got to Django on chain, I was just like, all right, let's put your money where your mouth is, fam, because your mouth has been running for a minute. And I actually enjoyed what he did give me. I thought it was nuanced. I thought it was funny. I don't think he like obviously fully understands the black experience, but he definitely knows enough about it to play in the sandbox and have a confidence. Oh, I mean, I should never lack in that. Um, true that true that no, i mean that's uh, not yeah. helping him but it's yeah. also like you know <laughs> he, he's, yeah. he's got a confidence but he's still got the confidence to it's, say it's those things it's not it's a a, yeah 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 yeah. you're right you're right that's yeah, yeah. that's right that's right he's got the audacity to do it but in doing it he's doing land on something dope yeah, yeah. he he, so, he he manages to land those so he does I would I would have to agree with Feek where I think this movie is somewhere between Shorts in the Winter and Touching My Hair because okay. I think a lot of the times listeners might be picking up on a trend where like the movie itself is one thing but then everything the movie encompasses is kind of what what tilts and pushes things for me and so the movie itself like Cameron is saying this is, if you know what Tarantino is like and you heard the premise of this movie you knew what you were going to watch like you knew what no you were surprised that this is what this movie ended up being or I think I'm a little bit I feel like it's not doing abject harm but I do think that like playing with because the, the here's the real dangerous part right there's a lot of mini Tarantinos running around here there's a lot of oh, people for sure who get Tarantino energy specifically? I don't know the dude's name, but I'm thinking a dude who took over directing American Gods and ran Orlando off the set because he was basically like, I know black people, right? Don't tell me yeah. how to write black people because I know how to write black people because whatever bullshit reason he had, right? He's right, right. exuding real Tarantino energy of like, yeah. I know you better than you know you. Don't question how I do things, right? And so it's not that like, not everybody's Tarantino. Not everybody has the artistic, like, imagination of Tarantino, right? And like we everybody have said, to have his swagger. Tarantino has habitually line stepped enough without being checked that it's almost too late, right? Like he has reached a place where, like, he's he's emboldened to do what he's going to do, right? But his boldness then emboldens other people who see that and say, "Oh, I can. Oh, we can do that now. Oh, we can make slave movies that like it's a fun." Oh, okay. Well, here, here, here's my idea for a movie, right? And like, Game of Thrones guys was trying to do that. The Confederacy show, yeah. That's yeah. what I. That's what I was about to get to. Is then you oh, get okay. people coming out saying wild shit like that, where it's just like, well, look how successful Django was. But luckily, we nipped that in the bud before we get that. But right. no, be fair though, we didn't nip that in the bud. They fucked up Game of Thrones and lost their right shot. I, I yo. <laughs> for real, for real, a lot of th- they fucked up Game of Thrones, but also the country was headed in the toilet in a way that they yeah. a Confederacy well, show run by HBO. 
run by yeah. HBO would not have been a wise mm-hmm, choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But people, we we know how people get down. White people get down. Like it's true. It's true. It might come. It might come back around. You know, they might just let the dust settle for a few years and then kind of test the waters and see what's up. And maybe, but they always we'll, testing we'll the waters, bro. Like that's what that's, always, but that's what I'm saying. They, uh, they they're stepping. always they just when they think they can sneak it in and it's not an issue. Like we're gonna get something like that. I'm so, just saying Tarantino's been doing it yes. in an entertaining manner for and I, a while. And I agree with that. My issue is less Tarantino, although I do have issues with him. Sure. But more so, what the movie's success then perpetuates when people think, oh, I, but I, I maybe, you know, if you just kind of let me do that. So it's not Taylor Swift's cover of September. Like it's not the ultimate act of violence. Right. And it's not, it's not even touching my hair all the way. But I think there, there is something about it that then emboldens others who think they are Tarantino, because a lot of people do, and then mm. we'll come around and then be like, oh, well, not <laughs> even like Quentin Tarantino did this, so I should be able to do it. But like, I can point to the success of this and say, well, look, you know, you if you, we got to write once. Do you want Django? I can do a, I can do a Django adjacent kind of deal and then give you something. And if you're if you are Game of Thrones guys and you are hot enough and you haven't fucked up the bag yet, they might let you do that. You know what I mean? And so that's yeah, why you're right on that on that show. Right. That's why I think there's a danger in that, in that like it's 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 not ultimately, you know, hurting anything from the perspective of if if you think this movie's hurting like all of Tarantino's movies are hurting because this is not different from all yeah, of the movies. Different. This ain't nothing new. And if yeah. you know what he's about, you either like it or you don't. So like that's kind of yeah. his whole deal. So for me, I'm not I don't watch Django and I'm like, fuck Tarantino. This movie's some bullshit. But I'm also like, you're taking wild liberties. And like, this could have, if it was not Tarantino, this could have gone real left. Like Django in another person's hands could have been a disaster. Right. And so like, I give him credit in that sense is that he, he's, he's not going to completely fuck it up, but like this idea could have got real fucked up you know you know exactly how he's gonna fuck it up yeah yeah, yeah. you know know exactly where he's gonna go wrong and line stuff you know there's gonna be 144 n words yeah and he and he did (laughs) he did well let's let's get us out on this and that is recommending some movies that you think people should watch instead of Django. Although I think we can all agree, watch Django. Django's fun. Yeah, like yeah, Django's not sure. going to hurt you. Like you, you can watch yeah, the you, movie. If you aren't immediately appalled by the idea, then watch it. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. If you're immediately appalled by the idea, don't watch it. Because it's that. It's that. Yeah, big. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would say my recommendation, it's following the exploitation line. And Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to recommend Black Dynamite. Yeah. In that, like, Black Dynamite is a faithful, he's, they're doing black exploitation to the nth degree. Like, they get it. They get what makes black exploitation great. They get what makes it funny. They get what makes it, and they, they have the boom mics and the shots. Like, they're going all the way in. But it's also yeah. a love letter to black exploitation. And I think that's kind of what's missing from this is that Tarantino loves spaghetti westerns. Like, you can tell he really wanted to make a spaghetti western. Yeah. And it's not that things got mixed up that you can't do this and that. But I think like in terms of like the exploitation level of it and like why black people love black exploitation movies wasn't because like it was like, I mean, part of it was we were seeing ourselves on screen. Right. But I think there's. There's a level to those movies, even though white people were making black exploitation movies too. Like they weren't really letting us direct a lot of those films. Like there was some that we got to do, and there was some that they were like, "We'll give you some money, but like you can't have 100% control over this production." But the, the it's like fantasy parts are missing from a lot of black exploitation. It's more, it's yeah, got a lot more love and of us in it. Right. There's a there's levels of it that are like we even though there is an exploitative element of it, it's still us. Like we're still seeing ourselves and they're still like, you know, people love coffee. They love Foxy Brown. They love Sugar Hill. They love even movies like um, 
blackula even though it's not a good movie yeah. like blackula is still fun to watch fun. and there's and there's stuff going on there obviously shaft like a lot of franchises went deteriorated over time by the time we got to africa but like everything <laughs> <laughs> but it's still fun like it's still fun and so black dynamite yeah. takes everything you love about a black exploitation movie turns it up to 11 a lot of tongue-in-cheek um but it's it's a love letter to that and I think if you like the exploitative elements of Django, you will also like what Black Dynamite is doing. I'm going to um, give you mine real quick. Posse. If you want yeah. a Black Spaghetti Western that is, you know, centered on Black characters, uh, still gives you all the camp and cheese. I haven't seen it as an adult. It might be awful. Yeah, yeah. Just put it out there. It's from the 90s. So it's like every other movie you watch in the 90s, <laughs> will, yeah. will, will make you a shock you in terms of it's a good one and tone but i remember loving posse as a kid um, yeah. as a, like, a preteen teenager um mario van peebles who is a really a legend as an independent filmmaker if you give him his flowers for real i haven't seen yeah. most of his stuff but the fact that he's been working steadily independently oh. for a good 30 years now um, so, uh, Big Daddy Kane, uh, yeah, so much good stuff about this movie. I'm watching this this weekend, okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that's that for me. All right, and before we get out of here, Feek, uh, tell us a little bit about what you got going on where people can find you on the internet, your YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, so uh, again, FD Signifier, Feek the Signifier, uh, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. It's, it's, I look at my channel as trying to be the anti-ashy energy for Black men or in social media and on the internet. I feel like Black men's persona on the internet and social media has been dominated by some of the worst folks. Um, I'm not going to name names. If you're thinking about them, yeah, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I'm just trying to bring uh, better energy to the to the to the to the, to the social media streets, um, talking about stuff that I think people care about or they would if they knew about it, and hoping to you know elevate that other voice, other people who are do, trying to do the same thing. So last video was on Ally, so it fits well. I talk a lot about Django, so it fits well with this with this episode. Whenever this comes out, next video is on Kanye. That one's a little more complicated. <laughs> for sure for sure um, oh, yeah but you know but that's what i want i want to engage with the complications of black men mm -hmm. in a way that feels more responsible also more empathetic to the reality of what and who we are as men so that yeah. it's not about excusing bad behavior but it's also not about surface level takes and interpretations of what black masculinity is for black men in 2021. I, I a thousand percent co-sign uh, everything that you've been doing. Like it's, it's great to see. Um, I really enjoyed all the videos you've been pointing, putting out. And uh, yeah, if you, if you haven't checked out Feek stuff, like do yourself a favor, go check it out. I feel like it's, we're, we're, we're like cousins, like <laughs> this show and your, your channel, we're like cousins. Yeah. It's not like, quite a one-to-one -one, but if you like what we're doing i think you would like a lot of what feek is doing and speaking on so i would vice say, versa please make sure do y are y'all on youtube or is this, uh, only on? this is only audio this is at only this point. podcast um because i'm definitely ready to start a podcast and i was on a podcast once upon a time and i gotta remember how that works yeah <laughs> i want to expand all of this i yeah. need more of this we, yeah. we gotta we gotta treated like ants at war where the mounds there's a metaphor there that's just not going to come together but you that's get fine. my point i'm trying yeah, to i'm, no, I'm no. tired of certain folks being the voice of black men yeah when it's brothers like ourselves that have been talking to each other really loudly for a while and just kind of minding our business mm -hmm. in the meantime the world got us fucked up for lack of a better way of putting it sure and i'm like all right let's speak up on it so so we can change the narrative for sure all right. And Cameron, tell people where they can find you. Uh, Y'all can find me on the internets at the Blipster 1138. 
Uh, I make sketch comedy with group to Karen with love. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram and we have a YouTube channel. So go there for funny. All right. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff at JRSosa18, JRSOSA18. Um, I have comics. You can read them. JClarkComics.squarespace.com. You can find me on Comicsology. Just search my name. Stuff should pop up. Um, and comics are coming soon. Working on those in, in the right now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to us. I know this probably has gone a little bit long, but you know, you know how we do, you know how we get down around yeah, here. You know how we do. You know, so, <laughs> you know, if you, if you know about Tarantino and you watch Django, you knew what this was when you press play. So <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is the norm, but, uh, yeah, we thank you. Happy so to have you. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll catch y'all next week. Uh, peace. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. <laughs>